0: Have you ever thought about what charisma is? I know you have out there, yeah. Um, Who has it and who doesn't? You've got it. All those who have it, raise their hand. Yeah, the Virginia Tech folks, yeah, I got it, okay. Uh, What makes a person almost magnetically attractive or another person barely noticeable? Um, How is charisma uh, linked to perceived or actual leadership? Um, I think we can agree that John F. Kennedy had charisma, But what about Donald Trump? Bernie Sanders? Ben Carson? Hillary Clinton? Well, we may find out some answers in this particular presentation, so stay tuned. Here to help us get a better understanding um, is Tom Bateman. Tom is the Bank of America eminent scholar and professor of management at the McIntyre School of Commerce. Mr. Bateman specializes in organizational behavior, he conducts research on leadership, problem solving, motivation, decision-making, personality, stress, and management goals. Current research projects include studies on how people pursue very long-term goals, uh, proactive behavior by individuals and organizations, employee cynicism, and intrinsic motivation at work. With specialties in leadership, motivation, and job performance, uh, and managerial decision-making, Mr. Bateman received his B.A. in psychology from Miami University of Ohio, and his MBA and DBA from Indiana University. Please welcome Tom Bateman. <clears throat>
1: uh, thank you, Tom. Thank you, Althea. Thanks, everybody. Very cool to see you all here. And I met some of you before we started. It, that's been a pleasure. Looking forward to, to talking with you all. Uh, uh, by the way i 'm not going to answer which of those individuals has or does not have charisma. It is very much in the eye of the beholder, as you might guess, but we will talk about some of the things that affect people 's perceptions of high charisma or low per, low charisma and I will offer some opinions but, uh, but in the end it 's the opinion of the of the people who are who are judging the leaders we 're going to talk about leadership, uh, charisma but, but, uh, but other things as well. Uh, charisma is sort of a style thing, but there's also a very important substance component to leadership. So so those are some of the topics uh, we're, we're going to cover. Um, by the way, I have to say, my alma mater does not do uh, things like this before football games. Uh, uh, it's very cool that UVA does it. It's very cool that that, that you all attend and get to attend. I'm impressed that, that, that you do this, so, so welcome. Uh, here's the plan for today. Our topic is leadership. Uh, We're going to, I'm I'm going to talk about some of the things we know about leadership, including how other people view leaders and the performance of leaders. Uh, But the context we're going to work with a little bit is is recent and current presidents and uh, uh, presidential candidates. Uh, One kind of dichotomy we'll use a little bit is a distinction between style and substance. And I think it's fair to say that the kind of the reflexive, way of thinking and voting for many people is, is that style attracts attention. Uh, and substance for some people is important but for other people it's not as important as a charismatic kind of style. But I want to definitely move on from style to substance. And uh, a couple of times I'm going to ask you to talk to your neighbors uh, and, and share your own thoughts about what, uh, whatever, whatever presidential candidates you might want to want to talk about. We're going to focus on leadership as a topic And we're going to use a few individuals, whoever you might want to think and talk about, to consider their approaches to leadership. But this is not going to be about politics uh, uh, or or, or particular issues. Uh, I'm not a political scientist. I I like to think I'm an informed citizen interested in presidential leadership. I know more about leadership, if I might say that, than I do about about, uh, politics. Uh, But that's the context we're going to work with. And on, on the topic of politics, you know all of our opinions are, are are about equal, but I hope I can offer some additional perspective on 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 the politicians who are running for office. Uh, check out this bullet point that means we can actually discuss this topic without arguing about this topic. Uh, it, probably you all know so often a discussion about certain candidates pretty quickly moves into a, a debate and then into a heated argument. Uh, maybe you last five minutes before it gets ugly, but maybe you don't last five minutes before it gets ugly. If we if we talk think, t- think and talk more in terms of leadership approaches uh, than about issues, uh, we can have a pretty apolitical but I think useful conversation. I hardly ever use uh, exclamation marks, by the way, but I'm, I'm hoping we can be proud of ourselves. At the end of today, we can say we, we, we met at a more than the score and we talked about political stuff without... Uh, getting mad at each other. Uh, and by the way, too, I would kind of request, I imagine a lot of you kind of know who you're going to be voting for or have a pretty good idea. Others of you probably are not sure. How about I a request that you pretend like you don't know who you're going to vote for. You've got some familiarity with all these candidates. Let's see if the substance that we provide today might change some perspective. I'm not going to try to talk anybody into something or out of something in particular, But how about trying to keep an open mind, pretend like you're just starting to pay attention, and think about the candidates who you know in the kinds of terms that we're going to talk about. These are the three substantive components we're gonna touch on. Uh, Charisma, I put in quotes. Charisma does seem to be what people want in their leaders, but that's a very different thing from what bottom line we really need in our leadership, in our leaders, which is sheer competence. And the other part of this little equation is character, ethics, integrity. Uh, conveniently, each of them starts with C, which is a cheesy thing for an academic to do, the three Cs of leadership. But if you think about it for a moment, the, the, that, that short list covers a lot of, uh, a lot of territory. And that's, those are the three things we're going to use to consider the presidential candidates, okay? Uh, in talking about charisma, and I'm going to work through one double column slide to talk about charisma and then give you all a chance to talk a little bit. I put quotes. I put charisma in quotes because people do think it's a magical, mystical thing that very few people were lucky enough to be born with, that it's a genetic thing. And when I think of charismatic leaders, I can think of one or two people who were class presidents starting in the second grade, and they ran for everything ever since, and they won everything ever since. And I wasn't one of those lucky ones, unfortunately, for for me and the other 99.8%. The fact is, a lot of research has been done on charisma, and we've learned a lot about what it is that people do that other people see and reach conclusions that somebody is charismatic, or somebody is not charismatic. And the good news is, these are behaviors that everybody in the room, anybody who decides to, can exhibit. You don't need to be born with a lucky gene. You can know what confers charisma, and ask yourself, do I do that in my leadership? Uh, and, 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 and the fact is, I can do more of these things if I decide to. By the way, I failed to say, I'm, not talk- I'm talking about charisma in the attractive. A uh, 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 sense that that Tom sort of described—not the—not the negative, evil kind of leadership. That you know, Hit- Hitler's the classic example, and, and and Jim Jones, who took his his people from California to Guyana, is a, is a more recent example. I'm not talking about that kind of evil charisma. I'm talking about the kind of positive charisma that that leaders who want to do well. Uh, would like to be seen as, okay? So charisma for anyone because it is attainable for everyone. So to get a little more specific, let's start with a very commonly used word, vision. If you you think about leadership, study it, read about it, heard talks about it, vision is a very common word. A leader really does need to know where he or she wants to take his or her people and and should be able to paint a picture of the positive future we want to accomplish. Uh, and as you think about presidential candidates, and by the way, lots of companies use the word vision, but it's, it, it's kind of meaningless. It's kind of an empty word, often, for companies and for individual leaders. Often it's kind of meaningless, used as a cliché. The fact is, if you can paint a, a compelling picture of the future you hope to attain with your people, with your team, with your organization. That is the beginning of leadership. Think about it all else equal. Would you rather follow someone who knows where she wants to go and lead the group, or someone who doesn't really know where she wants to go and lead the group? uh, Charisma requires a vision. By the way, really useful metaphor, I do believe. Jigsaw puzzles, I'm guessing most everybody in the room either does or has done jigsaw puzzles. I don't know how many pieces are in a big jigsaw puzzle. A thousand? Imagine a, 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 where do you, rhetorically I'm asking this, where do you start when you do a jigsaw puzzle? Most people would say the corners and the edges. How about if I back up a step and say you start with the box top that has the beautiful picture, photograph, or painting, or scenery that we're trying to create. That is the vision for where we want to go. It is a source of guidance, it is a source of motivation. A leader can ca- paint the picture of where he or she wants to go. That is the beginning of charisma, a compelling picture of what the future can hold. As you think about presidential candidates, we've all got images of Donald Trump and, and, and the others, uh, but ask yourself, do I really know what does he or she, where does he or she want to take us? Substantively, where do they want to go? Can can you say, can you articulate the visions of the candidates you're considering? And uh, if you can't, which describes most voters, I think, a lot of the time, uh, it's it's worth digging deeper and going beyond the style to look for the substance of their vision. Uh, Broadening, uh, if a a leader has clear ethics, integrity, strong values, that's attractive to at least some people. If If a person doesn't know what my leader's... Uh, ethics are like, what their values are, what what they believe in, they're less compelling to me as a follower if I don't know what they stand for. By the way, this can be taken to an extreme. Ideologies in politics, for instance, could be considered uh, ethics, but to to stick too firmly to a single ideology and never stray from it in the face of practical realities, uh, that can be too extreme in terms of of, of, of clear values in a way that can hinder a leader in in the long run. So it's worth thinking about what values are non-negotiable. Uh, you can count on me to always stick to these values. Other ones are things I believe in, but it, when when I'm faced with practical realities, that's where negotiations can take place. Uh, but 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 knowing what people believe in is is part of charisma. Being persuasive, articulate, being convincing, being uh, etc. Uh, Are are names of candidates starting to come to your minds? Some are higher on these things, and some are lower uh, on these things. To appear confident, to show self-confidence, is to confer charisma. To look unconfident, if that's the word, is to have less charisma. We'd rather follow someone who appears self-confident than one who does not appear self-confident, or appears to doubt him or herself. Donald Trump was the first name mentioned, I think he's pretty high on self-confidence. If anybody wants to disagree, I'm I'm happy to talk. Um, But but that's part of attraction compared to low self-confidence. More than that, showing confidence in my people. It's not all about me, but we are good. We've got a lot of talent on this team. We've got great strengths in this organization or this country. Donald Trump not only talks about his own self-confidence, but, uh, but how America will can be great again, and uh, implicitly at least, uh, it's not all about me, it's about the people of, 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 our, of our country. Uh, uh, par- related to this is to focus on success and be confident and optimistic we are going to achieve As opposed to being pessimistic and doubtful and talking about the the problems and only talking about the problems, the negative stuff is not charismatic. The the positive stuff is charismatic. Can I see a show of hands? I don't usually ask people to raise hands, but how many people recognize the name Walenda? Yeah, pretty good. Carl Walenda, the uh, patriarch of the great uh, circus family. He was one of the original famous tightrope walkers. Uh, trained his kids and his grandkids and his nie- nieces and nephews, et cetera, et cetera, to become the Flying Wallenda's trapeze family. Um, uh, I always aspired to be in that family. <laughs> um, but but he, Carl Wallenda never stopped doing the high-wire thing. He died, is it maybe some of you know how he died. It was in 1983. He died falling off the high wire, downtown San Juan, Puerto Rico. He was 73 years old. He was still doing the high wire thing up to then, and he fell to his death. Big crowd, press, and so forth. There's a writer on leadership who calls it the Wallenda Factor in Leadership. His widow actually said to the media, you know what, I'm not surprised today was the day that he fell and died. She's devastated, of course, but also not surprised. And they asked her why not, and she said, This is the first time he doubted that he would make it all the way to their side. He, he's always been a self-confident man, and he you know was sort of confident this time, but there were kernels of doubt I could see them like I've never seen before. And I it gave me a bad feeling for this, and as devastated as I am it's logical to me that this is the one. So it's of a sad, a sad story, but he died doing what he, was, what he loved, I suppose. But the Walenda factor in leadership refers to believing that one way or another, we will prevail. And by the way, again, it's not just about me, it's we will prevail, including my team, who has helped me set up the rigging and get, and get me to the other side. I'm not talking about naive optimism. I'm talking about realistic optimism. I know the challenges, I know the obstacles out there, but one way or another, I've got what it takes, but I can't do it alone. We together have what it takes to to reach the other side, so to speak. Passion confers charisma as opposed to low passion. Mixing things up a bit confers excitement as opposed to steady keel all the time. Paying attention to people as people, individuals as individuals. Eyeball to eyeball. MBWA is an acronym that some of you might know stands for managing by walking around. Being out and about with with the people, so to speak, as opposed to being in the the fancy ivory ivory tower above the people. This is managing by walking around confers charisma. And finally, I'll add extraordinary behavior. To be unique captures attention, right? Think about it, are any of these things genetic? Not much. Most, if not all of these things, are things a person could decide. You know, I could stand to, to try more of that in my approach to leadership, and these things have positive effects. All right, may I ask you to take two minutes, turn to your neighbors, and if you haven't, well, maybe you have already, just share whatever thoughts you wanna share about what na- pres- names of presidential candidates come to your mind and your comments about them in these terms regarding charisma, okay? Make a little noise in the room, if you would. Okay, thank you. If I can jump back in, happy, that's just to get the ball rolling. And does anybody need security? Are we okay? All right, really, just to get the ball rolling, um, uh, two two things. Um, uh, at, at the end, we'll have time for Q&A. For efficiency, we're going to need to keep going. I will, I will share a couple of quick comments. I've gotten a little, a little, couple of comments al- already, but then we're going to move on, and then later we'll have a broader Q&A. Uh, one is that uh, uh, Jeb Bush was mentioned as being, by most accounts, a very capable, competent uh, person. But how about the passion? Dimension, uh, it's hurting him greatly, right? And the ones who are doing well in the early stages, uh, you can, again, you can disagree if you want, but, 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 uh, uh, but uh, passion has, dis- has separated a number of the candidates right now. The other thing is, not really about presidential candidates, but I do have some family in the audience. And they've reprimanded me already uh, for wishing I was in the Wallenda family. <laughs> Um, uh, and now I'm all shook up. Uh, <laughs> so that's, that's some stuff on Charisma. I hope stuff help you think about the candidates, but also personally useful for your own interests uh, or, or application, perhaps. Okay, moving on for now for Charisma, and again, Q&A later, but on to the next topic. Uh, there's a, I've got a personal story about me, not as a leader, but as a follower. And I can make this story last about an hour and a half. Uh, uh, but I know we have to be out of here by 3.30. So <laughs> I've got 175 slides, and I'm going to get through every one of them. Uh, I'm going to make a long story short, as they say. Uh, but but, uh, uh, but th- this is a great conversation piece in, in the classroom with a group of students. Uh, a few years ago uh, someone asked, a wannabe leader, a leader wannabe, was uh, setting out on a, on, a, on a very interesting venture and he asked me to be a, a follower of him in this new venture. Uh, and uh, in, in the classroom I asked the students, to what, what questions would you want to ask? Before you decide whether to follow this person, what questions would, would you want to ask? And the early questions are kind of abstract and they're things like, well how much will it cost you? How much of a commitment will it be in terms of time and energy, et cetera? Uh, how, wh- how much risk is involved? What, what, the pay- what might the payback be like? And so forth. Asking those kinds of g- generic business kinds of questions. And it's a while before before they, they get to asking more concrete things, in- including, for instance, the first stage of charisma is about vision. is about having a vision. It tends to be a while before they ask what the vision is. And by the way, too, I set it up by telling them how very charismatic this guy is, and I'm serious about this. If y'all can imagine the most charismatic person you have ever met, this guy that I met meets your most charismatic person easily, if I might say, very charismatic. He also had a vision for this venture And the question was, should I follow him on this venture? So we have these abstract conversations, but uh, we reach the point where I tell the students exactly what the vision is. And the vision is he wants to lead a group of about a dozen people for the final descent of a river in remote uh, Ethiopia, the Omo River in remote Ethiopia. And that kind of gets the students' attention. They were assuming a business venture, but it's a different kind of venture. And they've got... They're more interested now, yet. Uh, but also, they're thinking, "No way, I'm not going to do that." Who is this clown? Thinks he can? Yeah, it's not. It's not paying a company to take us down. He's going to lead a private expedition, and we we can spend a lot of time talking about the risks, the 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 the, the uh, uh, crocs, the hippos, snakes, etc. One of the worst malaria places in the world. Whitewater, what they call Class 5, the most dangerous whitewater trip you can go on. No chance of uh, evacuation. The first several days are in the mountains, and a helicopter will not go in and evacuate a private expedition if somebody's got a broken leg or something. Uh, Tribes, some friendly, some unfriendly. Bandits, the list goes on. And did I mention the worst malaria region in the world? (laughs) Uh, well, they're all thinking, by now it's no way am I going to go and follow that, that, that clown. And now the punchline is, well, what if I told you that I've always wanted to go to Africa, and I kind of, I'm not a hardcore outdoor guy, but I kind of in, am in intrigued by this idea. Yeah, but seriously, don't go. Well, how about if I told you that he, this guy, and we, by the way, we had talked for 10 minutes before he invited me to go. So they're still thinking, no way, don't be ridiculous. Well, what if I told you that... This man led a famous expedition summiting Mount Everest that included the first ever blind climber to summit Mount Everest. Some of you might know that a few years ago a blind climber summited Everest. and He's got books and movies and things like that. This man I met was the leader of that expedition. So this guy is pretty awesome. But that's for some. They're starting to maybe, maybe under this guy would. The final punchline is he, 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 and one other guy did did the first ever complete descent of the complete descent of the Nile River from source to sea, three thousand miles, four months. He was in a one-man rowboat, and the other person was in a one-person kayak. Crocs, hippos, bandits, tribes, whitewater, et cetera, et cetera. This guy is a world-class whitewater adventurer. Now how about it? Well, I decided to go. Uh, And it it was awesome, and it was life-changing. And again, I could go on for an hour about this. Uh, But the bottom line is this. Why did I go? Had nothing to do with the guy's charisma. And again, I'm serious, amazingly charismatic. What did it have to do with? Sheer competence. Sheer competence. This guy, there's none better. If I'm going to do something cool in Africa, what better guy to go with than this amazingly competent expedition leader? So my wife said, well, you know, the first thing she said is your insurance paid up, right? but, but she said it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You always want, have wanted to go, this is the guy. So I went. It was life-changing. There were more lessons involved. But uh, let me now add this. I didn't know this guy at all when I met him. And well, when I first saw him, I would, for some reason, I had a quick reaction that was not impressed. Only later did I learn these amazing things about him, and now he's about the most charismatic person I've ever met. <laughs> now that I know, for one thing, how awesome is he, he is. So I'm going to add one more thing that's going to add to charisma. Once a person has achieved and accomplished things, and especially when they att- attain some fame and notoriety for it, Uh, that's going to add to their charisma. Now, when when he walks into a room of people who know his accomplishments, the whole room pays attention. That's charisma. So, So the topic now is we move on from charisma, which is mostly style, to sheer competence. And it's a little bit stuck. But a few words about sheer competence... uh, My broad point is competence, the way I view competence in leadership its very much uh, about how the leader solves problems, how the leader makes decisions, the extent to which a leader spots opportunities and figures out how to seize those opportunities. And by the way, the difficult challenge, it's not a one-person thing, a one-man or one-woman thing. It's a team thing, putting all brains into it to make, make the best possible decisions. What, uh, uh, what, what problems do you go after? What opportunities do you go after or miss? Which ones do you ignore? Which ones do you tackle? And then how good are you at it? I'll just flash this briefly to say, that when I go into more detail in my classes talking about problem solving as the core of effective leadership, there is this model about how to solve, how to think through complex problems. And uh, some of you are engineers, I know, based on earlier conversations. I'm, I, my understanding is this comes out of systems engineering is where, is where it became most famous but this is in every basic management textbook for for managers of any sort. Great leadership to a large degree is how good are you at spotting the problems and solving them, spotting the opportunities and capturing them with your team to success, right? That's that's great leadership. Uh, Are we okay? Yeah, thanks. Um, uh, And I'll I'll just summarize this briefly before moving on by saying, uh, that when I introduced this in my large lecture leadership class, this topic, we use a case, a Harvard Business School case, called Launching the War on Terrorism, which begins on 9-11, not to go all serious on a football weekend on you, but for a minute. The case begins on 9-11. President, remember where President Bush was when he got the word about the attacks. He's reading to the school kid, children and Chief of Staff Andrew Card walks out on the stage and whispers in his ear that America is under attack. And the rest of the case is about the next week and a half as President Bush and his cabinet uh, gather and talk about what to do. And uh, you can only imagine not only the complexities but the but the But the stresses and so forth of being charged with the responsibility of doing something in the wake of such, well, under such crisis conditions, Uh, and I want to tell you, based on many journalistic accounts of what went on in that early decision making, uh, that was a phenomenal example of, without even knowing it, they they didn't have this on the blackboard, whiteboard, flip chart, but they did all these things. To great effect, culminating in the decision to go a, uh, into Afghanistan after Al Qaeda uh, in the Taliban uh, territory, and it was in the wake of those many months. Those those were easily the highlights of the President Bush of, of the Bush uh, 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 administration. Uh, just a phenomenal, positive example of effective problem solving with the team. Now to turn from the positive example to the negative. We then fast forward to the Iraq War, a few years after the Afghanistan uh, 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 War, um, and when you th- even even far conservative people have seen the many, many, many big mistakes made around the Iraq War. This is not a political or ideological s- statement, but many, 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 and this is not to be Monday morning quarterbacking or or trivializing the challenge. But as you think about the mistakes in the Iraq War, every one of the big mistakes slots perfectly into one or more of these stages of effective problem solving. In other words, they did a phenomenal job in in 2001 and a a poor job in in 2003. Um, Anyway, to point out the importance and usefulness of this and its its definite uh, relevance uh, for uh, leadership. So if you want, if you're looking for a fun dinner conversation (laughs) I'll send you the slide of the problem-solving model and you talk. No, I don't really suggest that. All right, let's get back to a little less serious stuff. How about this? We've talked some about charisma. We've talked some about competence, very different things. And this, with regard to presidential candidates, it includes what problems are you going to tackle and which ones are you going to leave alone? And that's very much where they differ. Bush will forever be known as the Iraq war guy. Obama will forever be known as the healthcare guy. And he's trying to be known as the climate change guy. Well, it depends on what happens, right? But the issues that people are associated with become so important as you think about presidency. The third one, without elaborating, but the the character thing, ethics, integrity, people have their own definitions of what they want uh, in terms of the ethics of their leaders. So how about this? Think about current candidates again. And there's a lot of them. I started listing them on the slide, and then uh, I gave up because there were so many of them. Uh, 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 But also just we can throw in our previous president. We can throw in... Uh, Tom's favorite, Sarah Palin, uh, I, I don't know that, I made that up just then, I'm sorry. Uh, Mitt Romney, who is a credible candidate and some people are wishing he would enter the, this race. I don't know if you know the name Bill Clinton. Uh, jo- throw in John McCain, how about if you would uh, make it noisy for two minutes, if you could share any thoughts to your neighbors about this combination of things. Uh, and not only the people on the right side of the screen, but current candidates, who stands out for you as the best or the worst on those criteria, okay? Noise in the room for about two minutes, please. Okay, can I jump back in? And we're gonna gonna get out of here right on time. We're also gonna have some time for Q&A broadly, but before that, how about, uh, would anybody like to share any comments from your table discussions or, or personal comments? about any of the current candidates, or any of these people here, with regard to any of these three characteristics. By the way, can you see the big picture? The candidate who has so leadership is like infinitely complicated, but to boil it down to a short list, these three things, this covers a lot of territory. The leader who has these three things going for him or her, that's a pretty strong package right there, please. Yeah, could you hear, how about Bernie Sanders, uh, including uh, uh, the students at all, you said all these campuses, the students love Bernie Sanders. He has charisma, he has competence, and he has character. All right, he has charisma, he has competence, he has character, thank you. It's a, it sounds like general agreement, charisma, yes, some competence in some things. You added co- uh, competence perhaps being an issue internationally, globally speaking. His focus has been domestic. Good comments, yes, great and great character. Okay, how about that? Uh, by the way, uh, please, please.
2: And, and, and going with a gentleman that you found incredibly convincing, what made you trust him? What am I? What of these? Any of these candidates is going to make me trust them that they're going to go ahead and do what they say? Because I can give you a great plan and tell you what I'm going to do, but then turn around when I'm elected and be you know, a totally different person.
1: Uh, y- yeah, y- y- it's always worth asking the question: um, Can I can I believe what they say? Right? Um, and by the way, people usually have their own kind of general tendencies. I tend to be cynical and trust no politicians, or I tend to be trusting. And, and she said X, therefore I believe X. You know, uh, useful to kind of. Flip-flop back and forth. If you find yourself being overly cynical, go back to considering whether uh, whether they might actually mean what they're saying. So be aware of your own tendency there. I would more more, more substantively. I would say that the three things on this short list all, all all contribute to trust. You know, in the end, it's a perception that could be wrong, but if I'm convinced that somebody's competent, and if I'm convinced of their integrity or character, and I and if I'm convinced you know, on the on the charisma thing and the vision thing, actually, charisma and competence converge in the vision thing. Part of it is is it a vision that you like. You know, for most of these people, who, when politicians are honest, they're they're trying to convey their vision, and that vision is going to is going to appeal to some people and not appeal to other people. So thanks for the Bernie Sanders. Uh, one of the things, reasons why he's loved is that he has all those things around those issues. Well, the people who already are with him on those issues love him. And the people who are not with him on those issues do not love him, yeah? And that can be said for Donald Trump and just about everybody else. Um, by the way, ma'am, on, back to the question for just a moment. One word that's used a lot for leaders is credibility. Leaders need to have credibility. And trustworthiness is one part of that equation. And competence or expertise, they know what they're doing, is another part of that equation for credibility.
2: Well, the issue of competence is that none of these people have been president who are running for
1: president. And so it's its really about potential. It's like a probabilistic view of how likely are the, the vision that we have of these individuals uh, going to... Uh, come to fruition, that we're gonna, we think they're competent, uh-huh. but there's no way to know that they're really competent in that very complex international arena. Uh, very good comment. Everybody could hear that, I'm sure. Uh, and I don't know if anybody wants to add to it, but of course I agree completely. In the end, it is in the eye of the beholder. And should we talk individuals? Donald Trump? Well, we could list every single one of them. Every. Everybody in the, in the race, every human being has both strengths and weaknesses and probably everybody in the race is competent at some things and not competent at other things. One mistake the electorate makes is assuming that someone is good at X means they're good in all ways and, and you're, you're, several of you are making that, that broad point I do believe. Good comment, more please. So
3: where does, um, it seems to me that, and you pointed this out with, with President George W. Bush, and that is the 9-11 situation. So where does rising to the occasion, it seems to me that many of the, pres- and particularly in presidents in politics, the, it's rising to the occasion that seems to be what separates those that we write about in history and those that are just a footnote.
1: Great, great uh, uh, question. Topic as well as example. Yeah, I mean, there's no research or data on this. I and I, I suspect most people would call that part of the character element. Uh, and uh, and yes, when people speak positively about George W. Bush, there's often a character element to it, especially in the wake of 9/11. And by the way, rising to the to the occasion can mean many things. But one way he rose to the occasion, not only his decision-making process with his team, but attending to the emotional needs of, of the American people and the, be aware of who the enemy is and who the enemy is not, uh, uh, he rose to the occasion in terms of attending to the um, some emotional needs as well as the task, the task at hand. But the other presidents have done,
3: you know, Truman, I mean, we can name many of them that m- many people might not thought of very highly of but but when it was time to show up they did.
1: Right. Um example of that. 1940 okay. Western Churchill. Tell me an example of leadership exactly Yeah. And it thank you per, thank you for a perfect example. Yes, yeah, so many people say first off when there's trouble they say is where a charismatic leader is most needed and more likely to appear or arise. People are looking for somebody to, to step up, as they say. Of course, that's a great example. And I suspect, again, in that particular case, uh, well, competence is a big part of him, but so is the character to step, to stand up. People he was a uh, and, and that, <laughs> many people thought he was a character, and that's a fact. That's more than opinion. That's a fact. But this cycles back to the oftentimes we never know until the gauntlet is thrown, thrown yeah?
3: Uh, one of the uh, challenges is, if you use all all three of those criteria, many of the monsters of the world, like Hitler, they they had charisma, competence, character, to the German people prior to World War II, mm-hmm. and and the problem is, if you use those criteria, you you really have to step back and say, where what is their policy? What is their true vision in detail? Where are they actually going to take us? Don't don't listen to Uh, hope and change to you know two words get a detail of okay what do you mean by hope and change what direction are you going to take us Mm -hmm. so we have to be very careful of applying those kind of uh, criteria to leadership we have to know where they're going to take us and and really force them force them to explain in detail where where they're going to take us
1: Uh, and you know that yeah I don't I don't think Anybody, I don't think anybody would disagree with that. Um, and it's, it's kind of why I said at the beginning, I'm not talking about the Hitlers of the world, but the three things can be applied in discussion, right? And the character shows, if we really know what they want to do, the ethics and the character shows. You're making a huge point about politics and democracies. Um, oftentimes people vote on charisma bases, and, and can't even say what their substance is, or the substance of their vision, as you're pointing out. That is, what we, that is so important. It's worth making that extra effort. The sorry thing is, the more specific a politician gets, right, you know where this is going, the more likely we are to punish that politician for being honest. And, and hence, back to the question about what do we believe and what do we not believe? And I don't say that in a totally cynical way, but yes, the more we can figure it out, uh, the, the better. Yeah.
2: I think with uh, Charisma, you can look at all these past presidents and see that um, they were either awesome in one-on-one, or they were great in huge public audiences. But with a good president, they kind of need to have both. Because they need to be able to, in a huge room like this, be able to command attention, but also in even one-on-one, be
1: able to talk. Uh, I agree 100%. Again, I'm loving the comments and questions. Uh, So, not to overplay this, but my friend who led the Nile expedition, this is totally on your point, despised George W. Bush's politics. But, But President Bush invited my friend and the blind climber to the White House. Uh, on the anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act, he invited the blind climber and the other man that I know. My friend not only despises his politics, but my friend was in the oil and gas business, by the way, and thought he was a very poor oil and gas businessman. But within 15 minutes, he loved President Bush. He said he was fantastic in a small setting. and It was, gonna, it was supposed to be a 15-minute meeting, and it turned into a, 45-minute meeting. It was a one-on-one thing. Uh, 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 By the way, should I say, I like a lot of the things that President um, uh, Obama has done, but one of the things why he is disliked, especially on Capitol Hill, he can be very charismatic when he's giving one of his great speeches to a crowd. He is not so good one-on-one. Or small groups of congresspeople uh, uh, he, good, good in one setting but not in the other to be good in both is a fantastic thing and by the way most if not all these points pertain to every profession politics aside uh, pertain broadly a good point again um, okay thanks uh, few, we've got a few more minutes any, any other questions or comments one, one in the back thanks The one thing uh, I
2: haven't heard uh, discussed this morning is the ability to get others to work together. Um, And I think back to uh, when Obama was elected, McConnell came out and said he's going to be a one-term president, and the GOP has done everything they can to make that happen, and it didn't. Um, I think that's the biggest failure of his presidency, is his inability to get Congress to work with him. Um, and, of course, they were already set to not work with him, so it made it easier. But you go back to somebody like LBJ, who was brilliant at getting people in Congress to work with him. And I, I've seen, you know, that one famous picture of him leaning over, uh, I can't remember who the uh, the senator was, but basically saying, you will do this, uh-huh. and, and makes it happen. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about this whole part of charisma that has to do with other people being willing to work with you?
1: Uh, uh, Another good comment, good point, good topic. Um, Yes, uh, LBJ apparently was the master of it all. That's an element for presidents. That's an element of competence. It's one thing to have run a, a, well, the, the various successes that the various candidates have had. It's another thing to be effective on Capitol Hill, uh, and LBJ was the master uh, of that. Uh, I, I love what you said about it is a two-way street. You know what we hardly ever talk about is followership and what it means to be a good follower, right? It is a two-way street to make these things happen. So you're right, the critics of President Obama say he was not good at getting people to work together. Uh, the fans of President Obama and the critics of the Republicans say, Yeah, but there was no way they were ever going to cooperate. Uh, It was a stalemate from the beginning, including, um, as you said, Mitch McConnell announced that to the world, right? So was it ever going to work? Well, maybe an LBJ could have made it work. LBJ, by the way, was not only charming in a personality kind of way, but he knew how to reward and punish people. (laughs) And one thing they say about Obama is he's cool and calm and collected, but he does not punish... The way an LBJ did. The more positive spin on getting people to work together, of course, is goals that go beyond the common politician interest of getting reelected. Can you place your country above reelection or above your party? Okay. Um, by the way, any one of these topics, you can enter some key words and get online, and you'll find articles about them. Anything you want to uh, pursue uh, more deeply. If I can use that uh, as a a prompt to go to the last slide about some broad comments about assessing leadership. We've sort of distinguished between style and substance, and I uh, I think that came out in your comments and discussion. A useful question for thinking about the presidency is whom the electorate wants the president to be president of. At one level, the president uh, is leader of his or her administration. That's a Karl Rove kind of of an uh, outlook. Uh, more broadly than the administration is to be leader of his entire party. More broadly than that is to be a leader of the nation. And, that, and, and it's worth sorting out leader of the people, where George W. Bush did a f- great job in the wake of 9-11. The other side of it is commander of chief of the military. So the competence thing can be parsed with, with every and any one of these topics. And, and then more broadly, leader of the world. As you, as you have conversations with people, uh, and if you think about it, you'll realize that uh, a lot of people are sort of focused on one of these domains. And that might be the big picture of where to start in thinking about who, who, who fits for you most. And then I love the comment about the more you can feel, figure out about the vision, uh, the, the better you'll know what you're, what you're voting for. Uh, can I say finally, uh, back, sorry, but back to the river guy? When I, when I tell, it, it, it becomes a shaggy dog story when I tell my students about it, but there's always some smart aleck in class who says to me, why in the world would he want you to go? <laughs> uh, and I, you disappoint me that you laughed at that. Um, but... Uh, but I, but I had the same question. I would have been the weakest link in the group, um, and, and I asked him. His name is Pasquale Scaturro. I asked, I asked him that very question. Honestly, I told him I'll be the weakest link. And you know what he said? For one thing, he said I like your attitude, and I, we actually met on a river, so he knows that I, he knew I like whitewater rafting. But more important, he said uh, he said I. This is his quote: I love to introduce people to new possibilities. To new horizons, to show them experiences they've never had before. He loves to do that. He loves to bring a rookie along, because it might change their lives. What a cool definition of leadership from this expedition leader. I think that's spot on. You know, and a, and a great president. Talk about rising the occasion. Will not only solve problems, but an eye to the future, toward what you know, new new horizons.